Welcome to this podcast from Mess to Miracle. Christianity plays a huge role in the fabric of our lives. To be honest, life is messy. Yet in the midst of the mess, God still uses us. The fact that God does is a miracle. This podcast is designed to inspire you in your walk with God and connect you with people and ministries that could be a blessing in your life. You will hear inspiring stories of believers exercising their faith to create miracles in their community. Welcome to From Mess to Miracle. My guest today is Navy veteran Andre Lewis Carter. He writes fiction, poetry, essays, and plays in the urban sprawl of Portland, Oregon. His work has appeared in Soft Cartel, Page and Spine, and Down in the Dirt magazines. Andre's one-act play, Reaction, was staged at the last theater conference in Valdez, Alaska. Between the Double and the Deep Blue is his debut novel. We welcome Andre to the show. Well, Andre, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the invite. Uh, looking forward to the conversation. It's good to have you on. I'm looking forward to that. I, I think what you're doing and your book sounds like it's a really interesting topic because my son's in the, in the military. So I was like, you know, it'd be kind of nice to interview somebody from the military. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, hopefully he's doing well. Uh, so far. <laughs> okay. okay. That's good. You know, these, these are tense times for people in the military. So. Yes, it is. So. Uh, can't can't say that I'm sorry I'm not there. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I get you. <laughs> so I want to give you an easy question to kind of warm you up a little bit today. So, what's the best advice you've ever received? Well, the best uh, advice for writing fiction, which this book is, is uh, start the story in the correct spot because you have an idea of what the story arc is. Uh, but to build that tension, like right at the beginning, you need to start the story in the right spot. And uh, that's that's, that's kind of hard to uh, decipher. You know, uh, talking to other people is usually where I, how I end up finding uh, where, where that spot is. You know, I, I've written, but I've never done fiction. I've thought about fiction, but it's you're right. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you develop the characters? How do you you make sure that you you get people's attention right away? Because if you lose them in the first few pages, it's over. So you oh yeah, you oh, got to catch absolutely. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, you got to uh, at least introduce the protagonist. You know, maybe the protagonist and the antagonist. But yeah, it's. There's got to be some issue right up right up front, um, right? That at least suggests that there's a problem here. So, tell us something about yourself that most people don't know about you. Oh, well, I guess right now nobody knows anything about me. <laughs> hey, he goes, uh, "You're a blank slate." <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but uh, I was was in the Navy. I was a uh, they call a Mustang. Uh, I did nine and a half years as enlisted um, and then uh, got commissioned and finished up uh, as an officer. So I ended up doing a little over 30 years wow. in the Navy. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. We appreciate that. Oh, you're very welcome. 
So who were the major influences in your life? In my life, who um, certainly parents. Uh, my grandfather was a pastor, so that's some influence. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you meet so many people in the Navy over 30 years, but certainly some of the uh, leaders uh, that I met there, uh, there weren't a whole lot who looked like me, but, uh, you know, you can get something from uh, you can get some from uh, anyone who's you know t- trying to be straight with you. Sure, yeah, bet, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you were in the Navy yeah. during the nineteen seventies. What was it like back in the nineteen seventies? No, in nineteen seventies, it was the same as I grew up in, in Ohio. Okay, and it was the same as Ohio. So. You know, folks who didn't want to go into the military because of racism, et cetera, it's, it's the same thing that was outside of the military. The military really is a reflection of society. So whatever's going on in society, it's going to be in the Navy. So for me, there was no fear going in because if I knew it was going to be the same situation as it was in my neighborhood, you know, so uh, – People of, of authority, you stayed out of the way, you know, uh, uh, people are, you know, saying racist things that, and they don't realize they're being racist, you know, they, and if you point it out, they'll say, well, you're being too sensitive. And so <laughs> on the, all of that, uh, you know, dealt with it every day. Wow. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, that had the, uh, that's very close to when civil rights were uh, the civil rights bill was passed and, you know, the black power movement was going on. So there was a lot of uh, in the black community, uh, you know, the empowerment of knowledge, et cetera. And that also continued into the Navy. But yeah, there's still a lot of segregation going on, not literally, but yeah. Uh, Factually, it was. Yeah, I bet. And so you say it reflects kind of what's happening in society today. So I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that some of the same issues that were dividing the country are dividing military even today, if, as you look at what's happening around us. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's part of the uh, uh, impetus for the book was that I was writing, started writing in 2016. And, you know, <laughs> the world was like in 2016. Uh as I decided that, you know, make this in the age seventies, early seventies, I started noticing parallels between the two periods. Uh, systemic racism was still in place. Uh, feminism was still in place. I mean, feminism, uh, 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 the discrimination against women was still in place. Sure. We had an unpopular president, but we had a, a war that seemed like it was never going to end. Um, so that's and you know that was the early seventies. Here we were in two thousand sixteen, and it was like the same thing was going on. So uh, I wanted to emphasize that as another reason why I chose that time period. Sure. So let's dig into your book a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm dying okay. to get into it. So you wrote uh, the book. Uh, what mm-hmm. led you to write the book? Uh, I actually had gone back to school 
So it was uh, the beginning of a, a thesis for uh, the program that I was in. And of course, it changed drastically uh, uh, by the time I'd actually decided to make it a book. Uh, but yeah, so I needed to write something. But as far as this specific, um, I, I just had this character. I usually start out with a character in a situation. And to escape the situation, this character chose to go into the Navy to, to escape uh, all, the, all the things that were going around him. Uh, yeah, and uh, it goes back to the title of the book, uh, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. That's a naval term for a conundrum. Oh, uh, interesting. Is, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in that you have choices, but none of them are good. You know, you've got to <laughs> pick the least uh, bad choice. And this, that's the case for both the protagonist and the antagonist uh, in this book. So tell us why you chose protagonists to be aboard the U.S. Kitty Hawk, USS Kitty Hawk. Yeah, uh, that is the only known uh, documented race riot in the United States Navy. So this took place in October of 72. Uh, so it, it really kind of fit. I mean, and also this is the 50th anniversary of mm. that uh, riot. Uh, and I just found out that uh, they're going to scrap her now. So. She's not going to be around. So on her 50th anniversary of this riot, they were also scrapping it. So I'm not sure uh, if that's an indication of their feelings about this or not. But uh, <laughs> the, 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 that's certainly a big, uh, sorry, a big event for the Navy you know, on a lot of levels. And uh, I wanted to emphasize uh, some, uh, some black history and, black military history, which I don't see a lot of. Um, certainly there are some, uh, but uh, the history as far as from World War II, when after World War II, when uh, segregation was supposedly outlawed by an executive order, and over time, uh, so some of the things that uh, show that we certainly hadn't uh, it was pretty much up to the commanding officer how desegregated his uh, command was going to be, and it usually wasn't very. Right, because, again, the Navy reflected society. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So for those who are not historians, tell us about mm -hmm. that first the incident on Kitty Hawk, because I don't know if many people even know about it. So without giving away the, your book, <laughs> mm -hmm. tell us kind of about that, that race riot. Okay, the uh, race riot, uh, there had been a lot of racial tension on the ship anyway, because there was racial tension on all of the ships, because this was uh, 72, so uh, black power movement was still in full swing, and you know, you're seeing posters like, you can't be black and maybe two, and all that kind of stuff, uh, so the tension was already there, and then... Uh, they got orders to, they were on their way home. They'd done their time at Vietnam waters and they were on their way home. Uh, they were uh, in the Philippines to stock up and they got word that the ship that was supposed to relieve them, the USS Ranger, someone had sabotaged the, the uh, engine. 
So they were, and when you talk about swapping out engines on an aircraft carrier, that's a huge undertaking. You've got to cut out decks and use this huge crane, et cetera. So uh, Kitty Hawk was given orders to go back to Vietnam, which kind of, you know, nobody <laughs> wanted to hear that. You know, they'd already been out uh, five and a half months, I think. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, that just ratcheted up the tension more. And the uh, uh, sailors of color just uh, felt like they were being, they were the scapegoats for some reason. Like the uh, uh, white people were saying that if you had your shit together, we wouldn't be going back to Vietnam. It's of course ridiculous, but under the the, the sun and the, <laughs> you know all of the things that you deal with on a ship, uh, yeah, that that just was the straw that broke the uh, camel's back. So it was a recipe for disaster. You got people who were frustrated. They, they wanted to go home, and all of a sudden they're going back to a place they thought they were leaving, and right. you just yeah. needed one little spark to set something off. That's, that's, that's it, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it, did, it did start small, you know, as uh, uh, the master at arms were called to the, uh, uh, um, to the dining halls, multiple times because of little pushing and shoving and you know it's and it just kept building up uh to find finally uh the uh a number of black sailors uh got together in this one chow hall to basically have a bitch session and to vent and had they left them alone to do that there may have been nothing jump off but uh Someone called the uh, uh, master at arms, and then the master at arms called the, the Marines. You know, they have the security detail on board ships, and it just, yeah, it just got got ugly. Did anybody get hurt in the whole issue? Because I don't remember the story. Yeah, some folks did, uh, were hurt. Uh, nobody was killed, thank God. Okay. But, uh, yeah, there was a, a number of people hurt. I think it ended up being... Uh, I think it was like 120 sailors that were involved. And, you know, there's 5,000 people on an aircraft carrier. So it's a very small number, but it's so unexpected that, uh, you know, those few people were able to do some damage. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> so your your book is based on that event. It's not based on that event. That's okay. where they end up. That's where the... Uh, Protagonists and antagonists finally okay. get together to resolve their issues, but uh, no, the book does not actually, actually about the Kittyhawk per se. Okay, it's just that is a major part of Black history. In yeah, the that's a fascinating. I have to read that book. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward. I, I love. I, <laughs> I love history, so I'm looking forward to getting getting my hands on it and reading it. All right. Yeah. I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, uh, you won't be disappointed. No, I, I love history. So, are, are your characters based on real people? Not as far as you could say. Okay, this one guy. Uh, sure. But no, uh, you know, over thirty years, you meet so many people. So I snatch things from different people that I've met. And uh, when I was uh, after I retired, and I was working uh, downtown. You know, to be listening to conversations on uh, the uh, public transportation. And so I just kind of absorbed all this stuff. And 
oh, when I need a voice, it just seems to come out. Yeah, that's interesting. So tell us about what you hope people get out of this book from reading it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now a word from one of our sponsors, For Freedom Mobile. If you're using AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, then you're being tracked. Mobile providers collect your location, communications, internet activity, even your financial transaction. They sell that data to anyone willing to pay for it and provide it to the government without a warrant. Switch to For Freedom Mobile, and you won't ever have to worry about Big Tech or Big Brother tracking you through your mobile phone again. For Freedom Mobile provides secure, unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data for just $29.99 a month, and it includes free internet roaming in over 200 countries. Sign up for the service by visiting forfreedommobile.com and using the promo code BRIDGEBUILDERS to get your first month for only $9.99. See forfreedommobile.com for details. Just like the number four, freedommobile.com. Well, first and foremost, I hope that they're entertained. I mean, that's the first go because the it's not entertaining, then they're going to read it. Right. But, but at the end of the day, I'm hoping to spark some conversations because I suspect there's quite a few people, especially the younger people who don't know about this incident or how it happened, et cetera. Uh, so, and here we are in 22, and people still don't want to have conversations about race not seeming to realize that racism hurts everybody, not just uh, the victims. I mean, the perpetrators are also hurt uh, because it affects the way that they think. It affects that, hey, this is okay when it's not. Uh, So that's uh, the bottom line. I'm just hoping to start some conversation. Yeah, I think we need that in our our world. We need more conversation. We need to hear people more. We need to acknowledge that there is pain. I think we, yeah. we try to just avoid the fact that there are people who are dealing with pain because it makes us feel uncomfortable. Uh, so, right. like, just get over well, it yeah. so I could get over it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to outlaw uncomfortableness. <laughs> right. That, that, that's a human condition. You know? <laughs> uh, we wouldn't do anything or learn anything if we didn't get uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the reason I do this whole podcast is to help people understand that we have to have those difficult conversations. And any way we can have those, whether it's through reading books about history to understand various perspectives and an event in history Mm -hmm. or to just understand that at the end of the day, we're all human and we're all flawed. We're all broken. And we have to give each other Mm -hmm. grace and the space to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with all that. Yeah. So what what is your so this is your this project is when is this book is this book already out? It is. It came out in January of uh, this year. Oh, cool! So how's it doing? It's doing doing well so far. Uh, you know, surprisingly, uh, this is my debut novel. I've had other things published, but this is my debut debut novel. So yeah. you know, I wasn't sure how it was going to be uh, you know, accepted, but yeah, it seemed to be doing well. Well, great. Look if so. What's your next project? Next project is uh, I'm actually uh, fishing up the screenplay that I was writing, and uh, then second, no- I've also started a second novel. It's not a uh, uh, return to this these characters. I, I may do that after I finish this second novel, just to get some separation 
from those people, <laughs> those imaginary people, and uh, go in a different direction. And then uh, we'll see what happens. That's always fascinating. So for people who want to write maybe and are not haven't started yet, what would be your first piece of advice if you're going to write something? What's your process mm-hmm. to, to do that? Because I, I have my own process, but I'd love to know what, what's your process in writing. Okay. Uh, certainly, if you're going to write fiction, you need to be a reader. I mean, you need to read widely. Uh, but, uh, you know, another reason that I actually started writing was uh, I blame it on Toni Morrison because, uh, you know, she famously said that, well, you know, I, I couldn't find the kind of books that I wanted to read. So I decided to write them, you know, and this story, the, the story, uh, I wasn't seeing it anywhere. So I decided to write it when I decided to go back to school. I said, well, yeah, I'm going to cover, cover this. And so I certainly it's nowhere near <laughs> as good as Tony Morrison. So I just <laughs> put that out there. But it should, uh, yeah, but it's entertaining. Yeah, for but me. As far as getting started, uh, I found the hardest thing to do was to get over the you know think of yourself as a writer if you want to write then you're a writer you're the only one who can uh decide what you are so not having a degree or being uh old or it doesn't matter you decide that you're a writer and for me that took a lot of pressure off for some reason that's great. For me, I had to write the hardest. I did the easiest chapter first because it was about getting started. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing is whatever works. You know, right. uh, there's a lot of writing books out there and there's all kinds of ways to do things. But uh, yeah, uh, find out what works for you and stick with that. Yeah. And I would tell people also write every day, even if it's a little bit. Yeah. Because if you ever mm-hmm. stop writing and try to pick it up again, I think it's almost impossible sometimes. So mm-hmm. even if you just write 500 words a day, just keep writing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in my mind, there's really no such thing as writer's block. I mean, you you may not write anything good that day, but you can write something. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say you're all right every day as well. So I like to ask my guests this question as I kind of wrap things up. So what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, that I, uh, that my son is a good person, which he is. Uh, That's the big one. And that I, uh, you know, I'm, uh, my marriage, we've been in this marriage for 30 plus years. So, uh, and she hasn't thrown me out yet. So, uh, <laughs> so she, you know, fam- family is, uh, is the main, main thing. Great. That's really neat. Anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you, or do you want to cover? Um, no, I think I was pretty thorough, uh, the amount of time we've been together. Uh, yeah, uh, you do a great job. Huh? <laughs> I appreciate that. So one more time, tell me where they can find your book and how they can buy it. Okay. Uh, the book can be found on most of the uh, usual suspects, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, at the uh, publisher's website, Akashic Books, 
uh, Goodreads, uh, Bookshop.org, and it's also available in Audible. And uh, I was I was uh, uh, happy to uh, be able to do the narration. So I, it's, I'm actually reading the Audible as well. I thought you maybe get James Earl Jones to do it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't available. He wasn't yeah. available. <laughs> no, maybe if, maybe if it had been Stephen King, he might do it. But, it uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, nah. Would have been nice, but no. <laughs> Well, thank you, Andre. I appreciate what you did, and, and for and for telling the story. So, you know, we have one more insight into moments in history and and our history, and how that has impacted you know our world, and how we can have those kind of communications. Because I think it's important that we always mm-hmm. have the conversation. Absolutely, yeah. And I appreciate the uh, opportunity to come on here and, and talk about that. It's, it's it's been a blast. So, when your next book comes out, come back on again. We can we can promote that one as well. Okay, that'd be great. I'd be happy to. Great. Thank you for joining us this week on From Mess to Miracle. Make sure you visit our website at HHTPS from mess to miracle.buzzsprout.com. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, so you never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I would appreciate a rating on iTunes. If you simply like to tell a friend about the show, you will help us get the message out to bless more people. If you like this show, you might want similar content. You can follow my blog at www.alightbreakthrough.org. Be sure to tune in two weeks from now for our next episode. Just remember, out of our messiness, God makes miracles.